Now, step five, this is what we're going to talk about today. The next thing, you've got to identify the barriers. Identify the barriers. You've got to ask yourself this question. I want you to look at your life. I want you to look at your list. And I want you to go, what's been holding me back? Why don't I already have this list? If you, if you got stuff under finance, why don't I already have that financially? If you got stuff under the health category, go ahead now. Why am I not already there health-wise? If you got stuff under your spiritual, then ask yourself, what's been holding me back from being strong spiritually? What are the barriers? Why don't I already have it? Why am I already not doing what I want to do? Why am I already not the person I want to be? Why don't I I already have these things on my list? What are the roadblocks that hold me back? What are the problems that hold me back? What are the obstacles that have been holding me back? So in this step, this is important, we got to identify the barriers we got to identify the obstacles. Now, I'm going to get up in your wheelhouse today. Y'all ready? (laughs) Thank all four of you. Now, listen. I can assure you that when I stand up here and preach and get in your wheelhouse, God done been in mine. He's already been in mine. I warned y'all on Facebook. Y'all are not on Facebook. You need to go on there because I warn people about what the sermons are going to be like. I said this week, I said, man, y'all buckle up. Bring your big boy britches. Who read it on Facebook? Bring your big girl britches. You're going to need them. Those of you who aren't from the South, we have a little book that defines all these phrases and words. Got Time to grow up, church. Time to grow up. The church is anemic, and we need to, we need to grow up. So we got to identify what's holding me back from accomplishing my goals. What's holding me back from accomplishing my vision? What, what is it that stands between me and becoming the person I want to be? What is it that stands between me and my dreams for 2013 and for the rest of my life? Now, let, now let's go back to the scripture because this is important. Genesis 24 Biblical foundation, Eleazar faces a number of barriers in this chapter. Let me, just, let me just mention a few of the barriers that Eleazar faces. First of all, he's got to go to a country he's never been to, doesn't know the culture, so he has a lot to find out. Uh, he has to do a lot to find out exactly where he's going and how to get there. So there's, a, there's an obstacle. The second thing I noticed as I read this chapter, he's got to find someone he's never met before. And he's got to choose the exact young woman Isaac should marry, and he cannot make a mistake in this. Then he's got to convince this young lady who's never met him and doesn't, know him at all, to come back with him, a total stranger, and go to a country she's never been to and marry a man she's never met or seen. Y'all think you've got barriers to your vision. And then he's got a, here's the big one, he's got to convince her daddy. 
let her come and marry Isaac. Got to talk to mama and daddy, get there okay. So there's a word for this, mission impossible. Isn't that the truth? Mission impossible. I mean, how would you like to have this assignment? Last week, the Bible says Eleazar prayed for God's help. I would too. You remember how Eleazar started his prayer last week? Oh, Lord God. I mean, he, he didn't start off sounding like Shakespeare, did he? He started off crying out to God. He said, God, you're going to have to help me. This will never happen. So let's give some scripture references. Uh, guys, go to that next slide for me. In verse 21, so because I want you to have this, not only hearing practical teaching on how to make your goals and dreams and vision, but I want you to see it in the Bible. In verse 21, he had the barrier of finding the right girl. In verse 49, he had the barrier of getting the parents' consent. And in verse 58, he had the barrier of getting the girl's consent. So barriers, barriers. Okay, y'all ready to get real? So let's look at some potential barriers we face, okay? Let's bring it down. Let's bring some application in here. So let's talk about some. Maybe the barriers that have kept you from your dream are relational. Maybe there's some things you're doing that are just sabotaging your relationship with other people. And I want to go ahead and tell you, and I want you to get this statement. One of the major keys to your success is the ability to work well with other people. One of the major keys to your success is your ability to work well with other people. Understanding and maximizing the power of collaboration. You have got to understand collaboration. You've got to understand how to maximize teamwork. Teamwork. Networking. Partnerships. That's one of the things we talk about as a staff all the time. Pastor Jimmy came in my office this week, said, Pastor, you got a few minutes to sit down. We sat down in my office. Pastor Jimmy said, Pastor, let me tell you some stuff that's going on in the community that we've talked about doing as a church. He said, but i got to tell you, Pastor, if they're doing it, why don't we just help them do it? Did y'all hear what I just said? Do you understand that mindset? you understand how important that mindset is? We don't have to own every, we don't, and I know churches that do this. And I got to tell you, there was a time in my ministry when I had that. I go, I don't want to work with anybody else. We'll just do it ourselves. I, I tell you why we have that mindset is because we want any praise. We want any glory. We want the pat on the back most of the time when we have that mindset. Amen, 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 amen. But he said, Pastor, there's a ministry in our community doing this. He said, so what I'm going to tell our church and what I'm going to tell the people here at the bridge is that we're not going to have that ministry. We're just going to partner with them and help them do that ministry. I love that. I love it. Because you know what? It isn't about the bridge. It's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. And when you make it about the kingdom, guess what happens to the bridge? Boom. In a good way. You know, when you say something exploded, you really need to be 
specific. <laughs> Our church is exploding. I've said that before and it wasn't good. Not this one, but some I've pastored. Um, so, so, everybody say these four words with me. I know they're big words, but you big boys and girls, they say collaboration, collaboration. Teamwork, teamwork, networking, networking. partnerships. I'm telling you right now, if you don't know how to work with other people, your success is already sunk. Look what Ecclesiastes 4 and 12 says. Who wrote Ecclesiastes? Solomon, and he was the what man? The wise man. By yourself, your what? Unprotected. With a friend, you can face the can you round up a third? Amen. A three-stranded rope isn't easily. I like that. Proverbs 12, 15. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he who listens to counsel is wise. The reason some of you, can I preach? The reason some of you are never going to reach the level of freedom and success you desire is because you're constantly sabotaging your efforts by refusing to learn how to get along with other people who are different than you. Son, that was worth $10 right there, and y'all didn't even pay to get in here. I'm telling you. Let me say it again. The reason some of you will never reach the level of freedom and success you desire is because you are constantly sabotaging your efforts by refusing to learn how to get along with and work with people who are different than you are. Some of you are bristling as I say this because you're irritated by the very thought and fact that you've got to work with other people who do not see things the way you do. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. No exceptions. No exceptions. No matter how hard you try to avoid it, no matter how hard you try to avoid it, God is going to send irritating people into your life. You say, no, 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 no. I'm going to just vet everybody. I'm gonna, everybody I meet, I'm going to vet them. Y'all vetted your spouse. You say, now you're taking. I mean, Millie's got. I will. She'll talk to you about irritating. Uh, but God's going to bring irritating people into your life. You know why He does that? Because irritating people are like sandpaper, they polish you into fine mahogany. If you react correctly. Now, i got more news for you because y'all feeling real good about yourself. You're somebody's irritant. <laughs> you say, God ain't using me. Yes, he is. He's using you to aggravate the daylights out of somebody. <laughs> God sends people in our lives to irritate us, to test us. And then God uses us to be the irritant for some other people to test them. So I want to tell you, whether you like it or not, you've got to be able to get along with other people. Everybody say, Dear Lord, please help me 
Get along with people. Collaborate with people. Teamwork with people. Partner with people. Network with people who are way different than me. I tell you what, if you get that right there, if you get that right there, first of all, God loves that and God honors that. And you're going to be well on your way to seeing your dreams come true. And my staff's going to remind me about this. I know they are. You've got to be able to learn from people. You've got, to be, you've got to be able to put up with people. The Bible says one of the fruits of the Spirit is long-suffering. Long-suffering. Don't point. I think I saw somebody point. Don't point at people. So you got to, if you're expecting your dreams to come true, it's got to happen. So let me just suggest to you some signs. <laughs> We're about to get real now. <laughs> We're about to get real up in here. Uh, let me just suggest to you some signs that you might have some relational issues going on in your life. Number one, and you ain't going to be able to write all this down, and I'm going to have to go through it real quick because I've got a bunch of notes here. Number one, you contentious. I mean, you just, you'd argue with a fence post. Who knows what I'm talking about? Have you ever met somebody who you know the minute you bring something up, they're going to go, well, now, I... You're argumentative. The Bible calls it a contentious spirit. It's wrong. And a lot of you, a lot of you have it and don't know it. That's bad. That's bad when you have it and don't know it. But listen to yourself. You just want to argue with everything that's brought out. Somebody says, that's black. You go, no, not really. I think it's more gray. You know, you're just, no matter what the topic is, you always find a way to disagree with people and get into a debate. Who knows what I'm talking about right here? The next thing that makes you have uh, relationships that don't last is, poor me. Poor me. See, you think if you do the poor me thing all the time that that's going to make people come to you. No, 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 no. They run. That makes people run from you. I'm not talking about legitimate, I'm going through a crisis, I need some help. But Lord have mercy. I see people on Facebook in a crisis every day. You're constantly communicating about how your life's harder than everybody else and and then you make it real clear that nobody really seems to care. You think I'm going to comment under you? No, sir, buddy. Because if I did, you would not like it. Now, don't misunderstand me because some of y'all, I know, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to go home today and there's going to be a bunch of stuff on Facebook. Pastor, I want to tell you about something. Now, I'm not complaining. I'm not, I just want you know, I'm not poor me. I'm not... <laughs> And look, there are legitimate needs. There are legitimate needs. I've gone through legitimate needs. I've stood in this pulpit and cried out to you guys and told you about stuff I'm going through. But you know what I'm talking about? You know what the difference is? It's just when you know that a person does that just to get your attention and what they don't realize that they're doing is they're actually driving people away. Now, y'all sitting out there quiet, but every one of y'all see somebody in your mind right now, don't you? You see it? You see somebody. 
Here's, here's another one just sabotages all your relationships. Please be my best friend, but don't be anybody else's friend. Oh, that mean you ain't friends. You overwhelm people. You smother people. When it appears that they might get, be a good friend to you, you, you go overboard. And you smother them. Here's an example. When someone has to break an appointment with uh, you or don't respond to you in a situation, uh, you immediately go, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? Did I do something? Did I say, no, I just had something come up. I sent you a text four seconds ago. You hadn't texted me back. You didn't text me back. I text you, didn't text me back. Well, there could be a lot of reasons for that. One of them could be that the minute I do, it's going to be beeping that you've texted me back before I can even finish my text. Don't smother people. Now, I'm going to tell you, here's a big sign that you need to wake up and smell the coffee because when you start getting mad because your friends have other friends, your friends spend time with other friends, your friends spend time with other people, I'm telling you, you're, you're, you're sabotaging relationships. Here, here's another one, scorekeeper. You're a scorekeeper. Scorekeeper. Here's what a scorekeeper does. A scorekeeper remembers every good thing they've ever done and every bad thing you've ever done. I mean, it's like the man and woman who went to get some marital counseling and the, the counselor was talking to him and the, and the husband said, she gets historical on me. He said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, historical. She goes way, way back and pulls stuff up. If a lady was up here preaching, she'd talk about the man doing that. Because we men are just as bad. Don't be a scorekeeper. Somebody does something good for you, be thankful. You do something good for somebody, forget about it. Forget about it. Don't walk around with a chip on your shoulder going, I can't believe I didn't get a thank you card. I didn't believe I didn't get You know what? They might have just forgotten about it. Isn't that they're not thankful? They don't love you? Don't be a scorekeeper. Here's another attitude that messes up your relationship. My way or no way. My way or hit the highway. That's a controlling spirit. That's a controlling. When I say spirit, I don't mean spirit. I mean attitude. You say, well, could it be demon spirits? I probably. Sure looks like it. But I don't, like, I don't like some of the teaching I'm hearing today that every time somebody disobeys God, it's some spirit. Some demon spirit. Hey, can I tell you most of the time when you disobey God, it's you. A spirit came upon you. Yeah, we know what spirit came upon you. It's called flesh. Mm, I'm preaching now. Controlling, always giving advice, no matter what the topic. Always demanding your way. When you don't get your way, you can't put it aside to be an effective team member. If you're on a team and you brought up an idea and your team didn't buy your idea, but they bought your neighbor's idea, and so you then half-heartedly go about the accomplishment of that task, 
and you don't join up and say, you know what, I really liked my idea better, but the team didn't want my idea. They wanted Bob's idea. So what I'm going to do now, because I want to reap what I sow down the road, I'm preaching now. I want to reap what I sow down the road, so I'm going to get right in behind Bob's idea, and I'm going to support him. Even though I wish we'd done a little bit different, I'm going to get in behind him and support that. Amen, amen, amen. A church has to operate like that. You're not going to ever find a church that's going to do everything you like. I'm the pastor of this church, and this church does stuff I don't like. Sometimes I do stuff I don't like. Y'all look so holy. Here's another one. Angry. Angry. You manipulate everybody around you because they're scared to death to say one word to you because they know you're going to explode. Or they're going to, you're going to come out with some venomous, sarcastic, Remarks, So they don't talk to you. They go around you and talk to other people who they hope will talk to you because they don't want to deal with you because you're angry all the time. And you're angry and you're thinking, well, I don't have a whole lot of problems, you know. And Well, the reason you don't have a whole lot of problems is because people don't want to deal with you. I'm going to tell you something, man. Anger, anger, huge issue. Huge issue. I got to tell you, I get along pretty good until I start driving. And there are people that actually think they're going to get around me. <laughs> Who are these people? And I have to show them. I'm old and my car's old, but mm, mm, you're number one. Don't, you, don't use anger. Anger is a natural response, but when you use anger to manipulate people, let me give you another couple of them, and then i got to close here. Hold, you hold grudges. When you're a grudge holder, I guarantee you, I can just about get your, your success is sunk. You being the person you want to be is never going to happen. Anger, grudges, having that contentious spirit, that poor me, all these things I've been giving you. When you have these, you're, you're, you've just created, if, if this is the incline of you getting to your success, when you, when you have those attitudes, it goes like that. The incline becomes much harder and much steeper. But there are some of you that have held on to grudges. And look, I'm not saying you weren't treated unfairly. I'm not saying you didn't experience an injustice. But when you hold on to a grudge, you're allowed, tell them I said hello. When you, when, you, when you hold on to a grudge, you're letting that person still control you and keep controlling you. You hold on to that grudge, you hold on to that grudge, and you think, buddy, I'm never going to forget what they, that's not hurting them. It's hurting you. You say, well, I can't, you know, the Bible says forgive and forget. I can't forget. Let me tell you what forget means. It doesn't mean you don't remember it. It means you don't hold it against that person anymore. You just let it go. You don't have to be best friends with them. I'm not saying that, that y'all going to all be best friends now. But you've got to let that thing go or it's going to eat you up and, and sabotage your relationship. Now, this same person who holds grudges nine times out of ten, they don't think anything they say offends anybody. 
Y'all got anybody in your life who if you said one thing to them, they would go just bananas, but they can say anything they want to to you. And then when you say something back to them, they always say it in such a way that they go, that isn't what I meant. I just took a machete and cut you off at the knees, but that, you took it wrong. <laughs> Am I preaching? 1 Corinthians 13, 5, you don't want to see this one on the screen. It says, love keeps no record of wrong. What that really means is spiritually mature love. See, when you hold grudges, you're, you're childish. Spiritually mature love keeps no record of wrong. Let me give you another one. Passive aggressive. Oh, Lord Jesus, help me. And this goes back to my... Passive aggressive is you just rip somebody. You just ripped them, but you always put it in a way that if they were to go, man, that hurt me, you'd look at them, I don't even know what you're talking about. Look up passive-aggressive. Get a clue. Amen? Now, you guys don't need this, but that second crowd's coming in, and i got to get this ready. Let me, give you a, let me go through some other things real quick. Maybe, let's talk about financial barriers. Let's talk about financial barriers. Let me just give you some statistics. More than 160 million Americans have credit cards. I, these statistics might actually be old. The average credit card holder has three, at least three credit cards. On average, each household with a credit card carries more than $15,000 in credit, in, in debt, credit debt, credit card debt. The U.S. consumer debt is $11.4 trillion, and that includes mortgages, auto loans, credit card student loans. Ten top causes of, of um, debt. Ten top causes. Now, I'm going to give these to you. If you want me to send it to you, you can find this. Let me just give you the source for this. Bankrate.com. Bankrate.com. Let me just give you uh, ten, ten causes, top ten causes of debt. Number one, reduced income, but you keep the same expenses. That's how America operates. Matter of fact, we don't just keep the same income. We increase the spending. You say, I don't think we can preach on that. Oh yeah, we can preach on that. It's our money. Number two, divorce. Divorce is expensive. Divor and I know a whole bunch of y'all could say amen to that, but I know you're not. But divorce is expensive. Number three, poor money management. A monthly spending plan, a budget is absolutely essential. Now, again, we don't have to do that as a country, but you need to do that in your family. <laughs> Did I? I, was, I thought I just thought that. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> Number four, underemployment. Who can say amen to that one? Underemployment is, uh, is a close cousin to number one. Talks about, you know, not having the income. Um, that you need. Number five, I was, I was surprised at this one. I, I didn't know this one would be gambling. Gambling. Now, I could tell you about forms of gambling, and it would probably hurt your feelings. But here's why I don't gamble. Because it isn't my money. It's his money. 
I give him 10% and I give him beyond 10%, but actually he owns all of it. I don't have a right to gamble his money. That's just me. That's just me. Number six, medical expenses. And the people said. Number seven, saving too little or not at all. Number eight, no money communication skills. Here's what that means. It means that you and your spouse don't even talk about money. You don't even talk about it. You ought to have a set amount that your spouse can't spend until they call you and you can't spend until you call them. Like the lady who, y'all, I've told this joke a hundred times. Her and her husband decided they were going to limit their spending. She went out, found a dress she liked. It was way more than what they said they were going to limit. Came back home, laid it on the bed. When he got home, he saw it. It was pretty. Picked up the price tag. It was way over. He said, honey, what in the world? She said, the devil. He said, why don't you tell the devil to get behind you? She said, I didn't. He said, it looked good back there. (laughs) And the women said, (laughs) number nine, banking on a windfall. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and spend it because I'm getting some taxes back at the end of this year. So I'm going to go and spend it. Now, and then you do your taxes and go, "I, I owe them what? Don't bank on a windfall. I saw a movie one time, Chevy Chase, Oscar award-winning actor. He owed this guy a bunch of money, had him jacked up on the wall, and the guy said, you gonna pay me that money or I'm gonna kill you. And Chevy Chase saw publisher's clearinghouse thing in his, in his uh, mail thing. He said, I just got a plan to pay you. See, a lot of us, we think a windfall is coming. Don't spend money you don't have yet. Don't count your chickens for they. There's a southern thing for you Yankees out there. Number 10, financial literacy. So I'm going to tell the worship band, they never know if I'm going to call them up here or not. I ain't calling y'all up here today. Y'all can take a break because i got to finish this sermon. Number 10, financial illiteracy. Many people don't understand how money works. They don't understand how money grows. They don't understand how to save money, how to invest money. Or even why they should balance their checkbook. Our schools don't teach it. Parents haven't sat their children down and taught them. See, it's not somebody else's responsibility. It's our responsibility. Now let me give you, I'm about to give you a 1-800 number. It's not a 1-800 number, but it's a toll-free number. There is a lady who attends our church from time to time. Her name is Judy James. She is a financial counselor, and she has a... A service that is free to help you get your financial stuff in order. Y'all ready for this? Judy James is her name. Now, you say, well, I don't want to write it down because I don't want to think, people, I got a problem. Well, you writing it down for your cousin, all right? You writing it down for your doofus cousin who don't know how to handle money, all right? 866-522-6792. Neighborhood Financial Care Center. Here it is, 866 522-6792. Judy comes to our church when she's in this area. Call her up. Call her up. We, We sent Matt Chestnut, who attends our church, to a very detailed training on the Dave Ramsey material. 
So Matt Chestnut is here. Justin Moyer is here. They might not be the ones who will sit down with you, but they can help you get connected. Some of you have skills in that area. You've been able to manage your money well. We'd love to know who you are if you'd be willing to sit down with a couple or sit down with a person and help them do a budget. I think, I think our church ought to build a team of people who, who we can call on, who can sit down with people and go, please help me get my money together. Does that make sense? You know what churches do? We get up here and preach to you about how you ought to give, and then we don't teach you or provide opportunities for you to learn how to manage your money so you can give. It's the responsibility of the church. Let me give you a couple more things in closing. Educational. Maybe your barriers are educational. We've done relational and financial. Maybe, maybe it's educational. Maybe there's some things you've got to learn. Maybe there's some schooling you've got to get. Maybe there's a training certificate you need. You've been putting it off. You don't want to do the work. You don't want to shut down you know, your, your, your social life so you can spend more time in the books. But maybe you're never going to overcome that till you get some more education. I don't know what your barrier is. Let's look at some uh, emotional barriers. You've got self-esteem issues. You have, an, you have an emotional barrier that says, I don't deserve it. If you've got that I don't deserve it thing, how are you going to get it if you don't think you deserve it? I'm not capable. These are emotional things. Uh, depression. Depression can be caused by circumstances of life. Depression can also be a physical thing. I want, if, you've got, if you've got a family member who battles depression, I want you to stop telling them they need to get over their self. I want you to stop telling them they need to snap out of it. Because let me tell you something, it is hell on earth, and if they could snap out of it, they would snap out of it. They don't want to be there any more than you want them to be there. But there's help. Pastor, I take medicine. Is that all right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm not talking about going crazy and going to a doctor that doesn't want to even talk to you and just gives you something to mind numb. I'm not talking about that. But, but there are people, there are doctors you can sit down with who can help you and listen to you and get you just what you need. And, and there are some of you who just need to talk to somebody. Loneliness. Isolation is a strategy of the enemy. He wants to isolate you. Grief. Some of you battle fear, phobias. There's help. I tell you, a big one in our community is PTSD. Post-traumatic stress disorder. God bless you. Y'all with me on that post-traumatic stress? You say, well, you know, these guys, I remember my daddy came back from the war and he was, well, you know what, that might be true, but I got to tell you something, man, people are suffering from this all around us. We need to pray for them and we need to have sources where they can get some help. Uh, injustices that have been done to you, uh, abuse that has been done to you, that has messed you up, reach out. These are things that will sabotage your success. Reach out for some help. So write down on the same paper where you've written down your goals, you've written down your promises, amen, y'all have done that? Then right beside that, you want to write down your barriers. 
Write down, this is holding me back. This is holding me back. Maybe I didn't say what's holding you back today, but while I was talking, something came to your mind, and you said, you know what? I think this is holding me back. Write it down there. Pray over it. What's between me and my goals? What are the problems between me and my vision, me and my dream? What are the roadblocks? What are the barriers? What are the obstacles holding me back relationally, emotionally, financially, educationally? Faith does not deny reality. I've gone to churches where their faith denies reality. In other words, it's like that lady, my wife's a hairdresser. It's like that lady who came and sat down in her chair. Of course, y'all can tell she's a hairdresser. But she came and sat down in Millie's chair, and she had on a tennis shoe, and out the, out the end, she had cut the end of that tennis shoe out, and her big toe was sticking out the end with a big old piece of gauze around it. Millie said, what would you do to your toe? And that woman said, nothing. There's nothing wrong with my toe. I don't receive it. I don't accept it. I bet you thump her on that toe, she'll receive it and accept it. (laughs) Listen, faith does not deny reality. Faith says, listen to me. Faith says, yes, I see the problem, but I believe God is bigger. That's what faith says. Faith doesn't deny the problem. It doesn't deny the roadblock. It doesn't pretend the barrier isn't there. Here's what faith does. It believes that God is bigger than any barrier, any roadblock, any problem. Three action steps. Pray and write these barriers down. Then when you do, pray over them. You say, why have I got to pray and write them down? Because you want God to tell you what your barriers are. Because some of you won't be honest with yourself. Let God tell you. I tell you what, ask your husband, ask your wife. That's why we need honest feedback from people who love us. And pray over those barriers and ask another person to help you. We need each other. Father, thank you for your word today. I know this has been long. But God, we're going to dismiss the folks. The prayer team's coming. Any staff members who are available, they're going to come up here to the stage. We're going to pray for anybody. We'll pray for them. If they want to come stand in for a friend, we will pray for their friend in their behalf. We want to help people today before they go home. Let this word that has been preached be in us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, God bless you guys. Thank you all for coming.